was chaos. A thousand people in an iron box. 18 years I've hated the train. 18 years I've waited for this moment. This is your world. The train saved humanity. The engine lasts forever. The population must always be kept in balance. I said sit down. Passengers, eternal order flows from the sacred engine. We must occupy our preordained position. I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. Know your place. Keep your place. Those bastards in the front think they own us. We'll be different when we get there. What do you say? We take the engine. And we control the world. When is the time? Soon. What does everybody want? What does everybody need? What does everybody love? Hey everybody, it's another episode of From Parts Unknown, a cinematically strange journey through the depths of Netflix. It's Anthony Lewis here, and I'm hanging out with Aaron. How are you doing? Hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. And Mr. Glenn Beauvoir, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. How's the towel, sir? Um, We have upgraded to a blanket. Oh, Glenn has moved up from a towel to a blanket. Um, Now, are we, are we just... We we got underwear on here. We got uh, uh, some boxer briefs. We what what's going on? Is it just the blanket? You can let everybody know. It's okay. Can, um, I, can I ask what's going on here? <laughs> Maybe I was late. Oh, you you missed the conversation in the in the office thread on on Facebook. Oh yeah yeah I definitely missed that. Yeah, Glenn Glenn said something about doing this whole thing in a towel, and oh. uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he says, ready to do this show in a towel, uh, was the last thing Glenn posted. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've upgraded from the, from the blanket. I'm sure after a while, just the, the towel is going to get cold and we all know what that means. It means time to talk means about your dick going to get small. Speaking I of was... snow piercers. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a segue that was. I took notes throughout that entire movie. Like I'm thinking about posting it as a blog, just to people, so people if they want to read what the fuck I was thinking at the exact parts in the movie. Because man, this shit had some confusing segments. I, I I love this movie. I don't know. This was uh, the 2013 sci-fi fantasy movie Snowpiercer. Uh, it is weirdly enough, it is a Korean film based off a French graphic novel starring almost completely English-speaking cast. <laughs> This is so crazy. Uh, it's Chris Evans, Tilda Swinton, Jamie Bell, Octavia Spencer, uh, John Hurt, Ed Harris, um, and and then Korean people whose names I, I don't want to butcher here on the air. Um, but holy crap! Uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing nobody has read the French graphic novel upon which this was based. Correct? Nope. Okay. No, I have not. I didn't think so. I just I just I'm confused by this because it's like did it come know, out after the Hunger Games? Uh, 2013. I mean, the graphic so, novel. You know what? I'm not sure when the graphic novel came out. I'm going to go look to see when the graphic novel came out. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. It came out in 1982. Oh, damn. <laughs> so, well before the Hunger Games. Interesting. Yes, yeah. indeed. Wait. So, I guess Neil Young helped him come up with this idea. Really? Since it's about <laughs> trains. <laughs> the, um... Gosh, I don't even know where to begin with this thing. Um... The beginning of the movie. Yeah, I guess that's a good. I guess that's a good place to go. <laughs> uh, so we we are told that in uh, last year, in 2014, an attempt to counteract global warming through uh, engine climate engineering catastrophically backfires. Uh, uh, technically, and, it worked. Well, sure. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, worked I too guess well. They did engineer the climate. It just resulted in an ice age. 
uh, where basically everybody on on Earth was killed. Basically, the only people left are riding on the Snowpiercer, a super train. It's like a city train, I guess. Sort and there's of. only about 150 people left ever. Yeah, there's not a lot of people left. Uh, the trains, like, I, I don't think they ever described it, but they said the engine never stops working. So I'm the guessing it's engine. So I'm guessing it's based on like perpetual motion, which nobody's been able to recreate thus far. But apparently, this dude in 2014 was able to do it. Um, and basically it goes around, it travels the globe and, uh, as is prone to happen with human beings, uh, a class system is essentially developed with, uh, it, it's basically your Titanic, uh, situation where the, the upper decks are all the rich and snobby hunger folk. games yeah. on a train. Yeah. And like all the lower decks are the, uh, the riffraff of course. Um, and the movie actually takes place. The bulk of the movie takes place in the year 2030. I shouldn't say the bulk of the movie. The whole fucking movie takes place in the year 2031. Uh, and, uh, no, it doesn't because they, they go through a year. So Does it? Does it really? Yeah, I guess it does. It's 2032 at some point yeah. uh, in the movie. Because uh, they stop fighting for New Year's. For New Year's, which is so which is a fucking <laughs> crazy scene. Uh, so it's Chris Evans is the lead for the most part playing a character named Curtis Everett who uh, is basically – decides you know what we've had enough of this shit they're they're feeding us these fucking black jello bricks and uh protein blocks yeah fuck these rich assholes they take their kids uh i I believe there was like a fellow like hey we're looking for a concert violinist and this guy's like oh me and my wife were like fucking uh played in the in the boston symphony like the boston symphony or whatever and he's like oh well we only need one person and he's like i'm not going and he grabs his wife this dude grabs his wife Throws her down to the ground and then breaks her hands, just steps on them. And he's like, there, she doesn't need to play fucking violin anymore. Come with me, sir. Uh, dicks these front car people are. Uh, but that's kind of what it is. Uh, Chris Evans is like, you know what? Fuck these assholes. We're going to the front of the train. Uh, and he's got John Hurt there uh, also kind of uh, backing him up as well, kind of in his ear the whole time as well, sort of encouraging him to do all of this. Uh, so when they decide to, re- they, when these guys finally decide to revolt, I I don't know what it was. Was there a scene, Glenn? Maybe I'm missing where they are trying to determine whether or not the guns have any bullets in them. Yeah, no, I mean that, that was just beforehand. like a flashback thing. Yeah, not uh, beforehand, just as it happens. Because like, like that's the like that's their theory, right? Is that they don't have any bullets in the guns mm-hmm. that they're right. trying to hold them at bay with. And uh, this is what happens. Chris Evans finally decides to charge up to the front of the line here. And dude puts a barrel to his head and he pulls the trigger and there's no bullets. And that's when everybody realizes, holy shit, they've got nothing on us. And they just ram, they just run through all these poor fuckers. And uh, they, they move up a couple of train cars. Uh, they find, I, I don't know what you would call this, Glenn. Is this like the rehab car? Because they just had people locked in fucking drawers. Can, can, can we back up for a second? I, I have a question. Sure. Uh, I wanted to to remember this note as I was watching the movie last night. Uh, was anyone else bothered by the fact that Octavia Spencer was screaming that she really wanted chicken? Was that racist to anyone else? <laughs> well, considering bit. other things her, I've seen her in, yeah, no. and her character was kind of pretty much like that. Yeah, like the yeah, but fuck, man, she played even, the screaming. Even, Korea, that... even Korean filmmakers are like, oh yeah, let her scream chicken. It's like, what the fuck. She was like the screaming black lady in a movie theater cliche. Like, that was her character in this movie for the most oh my part. God. Ridiculous, man. Um, and uh, so, uh, so yeah, they find they find these two Korean fellows. Or not a fellows. It's a man and a girl. <laughs> One is definitely a girl, I think. One is a girl. Um, it's uh, the, the older fellow, Minsu, and his daughter, Yona. And she's uh, apparently clairvoyant. That's a thing that also happens. People are just clairvoyant, so we're accepting yeah, it, that. If you huff explosive gel, you become psychic. That's no, right. it's just her and, and the the two guys in suits. Yes. <laughs> uh, so she can kind of see what what uh, they they want to find this this Minsu fellow because he built the security system that controls all the doors, so they know that he can get them uh, further up. And basically, they're like, "Hey, you're a junkie, and we've got all this we've got all this fucking explosive goo shit." Yeah, Chronal. And uh, we'll give you some every time you open a door. And he's like, fuck yeah. Uh, so they're opening doors, uh, making their way through uh, until they get to a car full of 
uh, armed soldiers with black masks on, holding shit tons of hatchets and axes. Uh, to the point, I like how. But you can they, only see their mouths at first. Yes, I like how they. I like how they acknowledge that earlier nobody believed they had the bullets in the guns. So they pulled out a fish to demonstrate that the weapons they have now are, in fact, legit weapons. Yeah, what the fuck did the fish ever do, man? That was some <laughs> oddly psychological bullshit. Yeah, they're like, just to let you know, this shit is real. Uh, yeah. I'm about to pull out a fish and slice it with my axe and then fling it at you. And they decide, fuck it. They just start fighting, and there's people are getting massacred left and right on both sides. And then uh, the weirdest part of the movie, easily is they reach this bridge and everyone's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ten, nine. And they're like, what the fuck is happening? And everyone's just standing there and they're counting and then they're like, happy new year. And then they're like, all right, brah. They just go back to fighting. I like the fact that right before, <laughs> right before they celebrated New Year's Eve, uh, Captain America was just going off like a fucking G, just like murdering people. Oh, yeah, and then he gets right. taken down by the fish. That's he right. slips on the fish like it's a fucking Buster Keaton movie and is just laying there like, oh, that yeah, happened. It was Keystone Cops. Yeah, um, like, what the fuck is this? And what about that dude who looked like Bruno, like Bruno Mars, but he was like a fucking ninja? Who the shit was that guy? I don't He's know. He Korean but... action star. Yeah. Man, he was, fucking, he was fucking nuts, dude. Holy shit. Uh, he just jumps when they like do the barrel train and he just fucking runs <laughs> – when he, when, he took down Big, when he took down Big Show, when Big Show was swinging around that kettlebell for like a half an hour, I was fucking flipping my shit. That was pretty awesome. It was awesome. Um, and uh, in the middle of, in the midst of all this fighting, we uh, we run into once again Minister Mason, who is played by Tilda Swinton, who oh. has the most incredible teeth, false fucking teeth in this. Those weren't false. Those are her teeth. <laughs> the uh, the supreme British stereotype. I think she might be from Hull. I mean, those teeth look very Hull. I'm sure Ben would back me up on that. <laughs> um, incredible. She she was. I thought she was great in this. By the way, uh, yeah, she was. Uh, I really loved the, the portrayal of the character she did in the Hunger Games. Also, mm-hmm. uh, basically, uh, she's not in the Hunger Games. <laughs> well, whatever bitch played the the chick that was talking to Mystique for like the whole movie. That was Tilda Swinton all day. Isn't that uh that was uh it's Elizabeth Banks? Elizabeth Banks, yeah. From uh, Second Mary the uh, oh. James the James Gunn movie Slither, yeah. yeah. I, I, wow, I went with Zach. Oh, shit, that it. wasn't Tilda Swinton at all. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but uh, so basically, uh, she's like, wait, 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 hold on, uh, everybody, fucking stop this. This is this is madness. Uh, if this continues on. Shit's gonna have to get real, and uh, Chris Evans is like, "Hey, shit, shit's gonna have to get real because we're moving up." And she's like, "All right, so like approximately seventy four percent of you are gonna have to fucking die." And uh, then the little Korean girl is like, "You guys are fucked." And he's like, "Why?" And he's like, "Cause there's a really long tunnel coming up, and all these dudes put on like night vision goggles and shit, so the lights go out, and then the the security just starts slaughtering motherfuckers left and right on this train." The murdering squad. Uh, the murder squad. And then uh, then the Olympic music fanfare sounds and somebody oh. in the back of the train lights a torch and they're running it and handing it off. And the next thing you know, a bunch of assholes coming with, with like torches and shit lights up everything and people are hitting dudes with axes and people are hitting dudes with torches and it's crazy. Now, why was the little fellow with Torch all the way in the back of the train still? Wouldn't they have had him tagging on like behind the main group? You think so, right? Like or the crazy one-armed British fella? I think it was because of the rags and stuff were in their bunkers. What they made it, what the material they had were in their their little bunker that they had in the back. Hey, uh, hey, can, we, can we go back real quick to the uh, the one-armed ginger? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Crazy it, hair. It, yeah, yeah. Yo, spoiler alert. Actually, we'll come back to it after we talk about the end of the movie because it, it, it wraps Skinny up Miller. and it was very shitty. Yeah. <laughs> Skinny TJ Miller. Oh. Uh, yeah. uh, so basically, um, uh, Chris Evans' team side wins this battle. He captures uh, Tilda Swinton's character. And um, uh, however, the, uh, the, the young British fellow who has been with him this whole time is Edgar. De- Edgar, yeah, he gets killed. Uh, and he is not so he is none too happy about this. Um, basically, uh, Tilda Swinton's character, uh, Minister Mason, agrees to lead them to the front of the train uh, in exchange for her life. And she's basically like, hey, once you get to uh, 
what the fuck is that guy at the end? I can't remember Ed Harris's character. Wilford, Wilford Brimley. Oh, Wilford Brimley. He's like, just fucking kill the diabetes guy at the, the end. The benevolent Wilford. Yeah, the benevolent Wilford, which is an awesome name, by the way. The be- it's it's only great if you put the benevolent in front of it. Um, she, so From now on, I'm going to call it my benevolent bell end. I think so, it just makes it classier. So she agrees to, to lead them up there, and they go through all of these various cars, uh, there's one that's got like a water ecosystem where there's fish and an all aquarium. sorts of yeah, um, an aquatic <laughs> ecosystem. I think is what it said. Um, the sushi chef just fucking right there. Yeah, right there, right? They, but they only do this twice a year, January and July. That's right. They've got to they've got to maintain balance, which is uh, a phrase that would be used much later on in the movie as well. Um, and they get to a school car. <laughs> Which is fucking crazy with a super pregnant Allison Pill as the teacher and all of these kids that are just some of these kids, Glenn. This is a, a great classroom, uh, to say the least. They knew their they knew their made up history. <laughs> they sure did. Now where are the high school kids at? Like in you know what I mean? Well, they is were in that club. Still- we haven't gotten to them yet. Oh, that's right. The Raver kids. Okay. We haven't gotten to the Raver kids. Yeah, okay, yeah. An angel wins. Oh, this teacher was terrifying. Oh, yeah. She was fucking scary. Uh, she and, couldn't play the piano. She just hit a button. They uh, they they reach another stop on their worldwide tour around the globe. But yet, uh, uh, oddly tantalizing, too. To talk about, <laughs> to talk about uh, an, a, a past rebellion. Uh, of seven people who tried to leave the train, and you can see them as you drive by. They're frozen. Like that's as far as they ever made it. Um, and uh, after this, like this crazy shit happens, where this wacky-looking bald motherfucker comes in with a bunch of eggs that they're like, "Hey, time to color some eggs for the benevolent Wilford Day or whatever the fuck it is now." Uh, whatever they've replaced Easter with, I don't know. And um, Chris Evans, for some reason, uh, people are cracking these eggs. And uh, for whatever the fuck reason, there's bullets in these eggs, I guess. I yeah, think. how the fuck did they hatch these eggs with bullets in them? I have no idea what I don't I have no idea what this is. Uh, is one confusing fucking place. But what they but what they do uh but what they do reveal is that there are people with guns that do have bullets and You thought they were extinct, huh? And in the back of the car, in the back of the train, their motherfuckers just shooting a bunch of poor people. They dump over so the sure. wheelbarrow full of eggs to reveal semi-automatic weapons. Yeah, full of guns. <laughs> and the the teacher, the pregnant teacher, pulls out like a like an Uzi nine millimeter or some shit, and is shooting motherfuckers. And uh, eventually, uh, it's it's basically like uh, Chris Evans, the two Korean people, and, uh, and Bruno Mars Ninja. And, uh, Bruno Mar- and Octavia Spencer. Bruno Mars Ninja and Octavia Spencer. Uh, the teacher's dead. They kill Minister Mason. Uh, well, Chris Evans kills him. Yeah, yeah. She she's basically trying to play it off again. She's like, oh, it, it wasn't my. Uh, this wasn't my idea at all. And he's just just what's a bullet yeah. in her. Um, they Did anybody else find it weird when he said fuck like eight times in thirty seconds? He did say it a lot, didn't he? Like it, it felt like felt- hearing your dad like try to talk cool. You know what I mean? Well, to like me, it was like your dad dropped awesome or radical on you. It's like, fuck, dude. Well, I like, think it, it's just because it makes it, your balls ache. It's just so out of place. It was weird to me because I just think of him as Captain America now. And I'm like, yeah, and he's I'm, just dropping F bombs all over. Our yeah, faces. Captain America, the thing just they couldn't get it done. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, and Hellboy's dad. Hellboy's dad. And, well, so, the uh, war doctor, please. Like, if he's anything, he's the war doctor. Right. And then uh, after all of this happens, there's a message on the screen. Uh, on the monitor in the classroom, and Curtis sees John Hurt's character Gilliam. The his I guess his kind of mentor or father figure is shot in the head. Uh, these guys are trying to send him a message, uh, I guess. And uh, yeah, they kill like the whole cast off in like two minutes. It was they, like watching they, The Departed. They do. Uh, so they uh, they start going through. He decides nothing's stopping him. He's going through the rest of the train. They're discovering like. Uh, all the extravagance in which the elites live in. There's like the, uh, you know, there's like the raver. There's like the fucking raver room and shit. And then like the next car apparently is just full of that fucking chronol drug. Like I think is that what it is? Like it's just everywhere. And there's just people blown out of their minds all over the place. Um, <laughs> he's just grabbing them all. <laughs> yes, he's just grabbing tons of it. But we find out later it's like for like the the bestest of reasons. Uh, 
So they're oh, you skipped the sauna room. Oh yeah, yeah. There's the sauna room. Yeah. Well, the, the guy who killed Gilliam is is chasing after uh, Chris Evans and Octavia Spencer, and he, ba- he and he's fucking indestructible. He is, and he's clairvoyant. Yeah, that yeah. that man is, is fucking nuts. I he dies, he sure. dies more times than Lou Diamond Phillips does in the big hit. I mean, this dude gets killed eight times in this movie. It is amazing. Yeah, he's like Kenny from South Park, but in real life. Yeah, yeah. but terrifying, uh, just, and he looks like he wants to rape and eat you. Maybe not in that He way. just fucking, when he, like, he's looking out the window and just starts shooting, like, probably, like, a mile away in another car on the turn. Through, just, like, like, trying to shoot through, him. like, you know, bulletproof-ish glass into bulletproof-ish glass through <laughs> yes. the frozen wasteland that is the Earth now. That is supposedly going to kill you if you were exposed to this air, and he just does not right. get any fucks. Yeah, so, um, he, he kills, uh, he kills Super Ninja Guy. Uh, when he tries to stab, uh, Chris Evans, Super Ninja Guy blocks the knife with his hand. Like at, a fucking boss, dude. Yeah, Holy at, shit. Yeah. And then what's his name? Like Mason? It's not Mason. The uh, does this guy ever even have a name? I think he's just. I don't think so. The clairvoyant ponytail guy? No, I don't think. Clairvoyant so. henchman. Oh, uh, and hey, uh, how the how the fuck did Chris Evans figure out how to use a gun? I have no idea. I'm sure he used a gun in the past, and I mean, and they, Wait, when he was seventeen, was seventeen, he said he he doesn't remember the world because he doesn't want to, but he did, yeah. he remembered how to how to use a gun. Well, he probably well, and they've he's probably seen them. Like they've talked about how they've used guns in the past. He's seen them fire them enough yeah. times. Maybe he learned from John Hurt. Like they had pretend guns. Yeah, it's all fishy, sir. It is a little fishy. There, are, there, are, there are some fishy parts to be sure. And well, what did he shave with to keep his beard so nice that, and trim yeah, and stylish my, uh, the whole time? Might you think like my eleven-year-old daughter? She asked me the same question while we were watching this. She's like, "How is his beard so trim?" That's I'm like, right? I don't know. It's like, uh, uh, beats me. <laughs> we, uh, but that that's unimportant. Uh, what is important is that. <laughs> What what is important is that after Super Ninja Guy blocks the knife with his hand, uh, indestructible henchman basically takes the knife still in the dude's hand and then plunges it into his chest, killing him. And then he shoots Octavia Spencer, um, and then he gets killed by uh, Minsu, the Korean guy, or at least we think he's killed by that guy. Uh, but he comes to life. He comes back to life later on. I don't even know how, how that happens. <laughs> he's like the chicken from uh, Family Guy. <laughs> yes, he's just. Like a- a- I was thinking like Undertaker circa 92. He just sits up at everything. It's like, fuck, man. What do you got to do to this guy? He's, he's indestructible. He's the John Cena of this movie. So uh, uh, Curtis and, and Minsu and Yona are the only people left. And they make it to the – they finally make it to the the front of the, the train uh, where uh, Chris Evans' character basically tells the story – finally tells the story of why he wants to confront the benevolent Wilford. Uh, and tells him that when everything, when people first boarded the train, they weren't given any food or water or supplies, and it was crowded. And basically, everybody turned to cannibalism uh, before the introduction of the protein blocks. And Evans is is doing this dialogue talking about like how the worst thing is that it's not that he knows how people taste; it's that he knows that babies taste better. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking dark. And like how John Hurt like only had half his limbs. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he, he kept giving up parts to be eaten. Yes, that's yeah. that's what he revealed. He's like, uh, a guy went after this mother who had a baby because they wanted the baby. And a guy killed the mother to take the baby. And uh, he's like, an old man stepped up and cut off his arm or whatever. And is like, here, eat this instead of the baby. And he revealed that John Hurt was the man who gave up his arm, and he revealed that he was the one who killed the mother uh, to get to the baby. And, he's, and the baby was Edgar. And the and yeah, and the baby was Edgar, who died later on. Um, and uh, he and yeah, he's like, I killed Edgar's mother uh, the whole time while smoking a cigarette. It was just so fucking strange seeing Captain America do this. It was uh, an incredible story, and it got even more incredible when. Uh, Minsu's like, I don't want to open this. He's like, I want to open that. He's like, you might think that's a wall, but it's not. It's a, he's like, uh, it's a, he's like, to me, it's a fucking gate to the outside. And he's like, I think we can survive out there. And he starts telling him why, like the things he's been seeing, like when they cross the bridge, um, he was like 10 years ago when they crossed the bridge, there's this plane that has crashed down like in this ravine and he could only see the tail section. But when they crossed it, 
you know, just a while ago, he could see more parts of the plane revisible, the wings and the fuselage and things like that, which says to him that the the cold is receding, it's melting, it's getting warmer. And, uh, you know, he n- noted, like, the when the windows were broke, when between the shooting between the mm-hmm. the train cars and stuff that's i don't know it's snowflake came in or whatever and it was yes if, it, if it's if it's like a snowflake like that it means it's the way the snow is it's not as cold right and uh he was about to tell him one other thing but decided against it. He, he basically told him like the chronal was not about getting high he needed enough of it to pack it well, together to make not it just getting high not just yeah. getting high <laughs> just getting high he was still Some getting fucked up yeah there was making a bomb but he also wanted to make a bomb and blow the gate open because he knew that they could he thinks that they could survive on the outside and they're having this argument over this and then the 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 Wilford gate opens and uh uh, this woman comes out and shoots, uh, and shoots the guy. And Chris Evans goes in to meet uh, Wilfred. And uh, how fucking scary was this chick that they brought out, man? Jesus, she was who I'm trying to think of. She was who is that woman? She reminded me of somebody. She reminded me of that girl in Twenty Two Jump Street and in Birdman, like the girl <laughs> that Jonah Hill fights. I was like, that's who she looks like, but I know that's not her. I know it's not, but... I don't know who it is, but she fucking reminded me of somebody. Um, Do we lose anybody? We lost Aaron. You still with me, Glenn? Yeah, I'm with you. This podcast is going amazingly well. Actually, it's going going okay. (laughs) No one's going to know the difference. All the editing I'm doing, Glenn, no one's going to tell. Um, so he goes to meet like elder, uh, elder Wilfred, who is Ed Harris played by Ed Harris. And, uh, <laughs> who is Ed Harris? <laughs> elder, elder Ed Harris, as opposed to young Ed Harris, who we could not possibly meet in this film. Um, I don't think I've ever seen young Ed Harris. I mean, even in the abyss, he looked old. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't even really think about that. He still looked like balding and old as fuck in the abyss. And he's like 38. I think when that movie came out. Yeah. No Anyways, way. Sorry. There's no, there's no way he was still in his 30s. He might have been 40. But I'm saying he, he was no older than 42. Right. Um, so basically he he starts, uh, Ed Harris's Wilfred starts uh, talking to Chris Evans about, uh, and, and sort of kind of makes good points as to why the train has to exist the way it does, presuming that the world on the outside is, is not habitable. Uh, they, they have to basically, the, the train has to be earth and they are the population that lives on earth. But since, uh, it's kind of like an artificial earth they're living in, they have to, they have to manually regulate it. There, there's only so much space. So there needs to be population. Yeah. Control, if we did just, natural, you know, as you say, like natural selection, if it actually did its place, would be way overcrowded and we wouldn't even be able to let that kick in the gear. Right, so they had to do their own natural selection. They basically they're like, look, there's only so many resources to go around. There's, but we need a certain amount of people to maintain a, a population number that is sustainable uh, to continue, you know, to continue humanity's existence. And uh, so basically, that means like there's only so much food, there's only so much water, and there's only so many amenities that can be passed around, but we need more people than there are amenities and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In a lot of ways, it makes sense in like an absolutely horrible way. You know what I mean? Uh, if it's incredibly pragmatic. Oh, yes. To, <laughs> that it, is, I mean, zero emotion. It is just, do you want the human race to continue on? These are the sacrifices we have to make. Yes. They may be horrible, but this is what we have to do. And he, uh, he reveals... Uh, he reveals that uh, that uh, Gilliam, John Hurt's character, was actually working with him. Like he understood all of this. Uh, he the the bat. He's basically like the front of the train and the back of the train have to work together. Uh, and he he lets them know that like all of the all of the revolts and uh, and all of this other shit that is that is that has happened, including his own, were all preordained, preplanned because they have to thin out the population and create more space for the the poor so it's not so crowded and et cetera, et cetera. Except he said they'd never expected him to get as far as he got. Uh, yeah, because was, John Hurt was supposed to like have them stop at by like the fourth car or something like that. Yeah, by the time they get to the dudes with like the hatchets and stuff, that's where it was supposed to end at. 
I wasn't supposed to get any further past, um, but they did. What's uh, up, bitches? We finally got Aaron back. Uh, so, we're, Aaron, we're talking about like uh, Ed Harris explaining why the uh, why the train exists in the conditions that it does. Yeah, about- the Andrew oh, Ryan scene of Snow Peaks. as he was eating uh, people steak. That's right. Well, yeah. I don't know. They did have like a slaughter cart. That, yeah, like it, they had pigs and shit. It, and yeah. no, that was people steak. Totally, <laughs> it could have been. It could have been a. It could have been like a manwich for sure. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> the um, uh, but yeah. So he's a uh, as as you were saying, Glenn, an extremely pragmatic view that they need to keep humanity existing, but they have limited resources. They have to thin out the herd from time to time, and revolts such as his are planned revolts. Uh, that need to happen from time to time to sort of thin everything out. Uh, Chris Evans does not know how to deal with any of this shit. And they provide belief for the higher class as well. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Oh, indeed, yes. Entertainments. Uh, he's uh, He does not know how to deal with any of this. Ed Harris tells them that, you know, look, look, man, I'm getting old. I need somebody to be able to run this train for me. I want that to be you. Uh, he's like, you need to be in charge of humanity and shit. And uh, Yona comes in and uh, kind of because I think she notices something like outside of the compartment or whatever. And uh, she uh, opens up like one of the panels or whatever on the floor to reveal that there's little fucking kids helping to keep the engine running because they which which tells me, by the way, that there's no way this is a perpetual motion engine. Because if it is, you'd never need to replace parts. A perpetual motion engine doesn't need to replace parts. Hmm. Uh, but he says that you know stuff had uh, uh, stuff had started to wear out, so they needed the the manual labor, and the only people big enough were, I believe, he said like five year old you know, children that are like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, hey, thankfully all those poor people keep having kids, yeah, uh, and that's why they drag them up to the front of the train. And I don't know what the fuck he does. Like mind control them, or probably just brainwash. I think he just fucking them. tells them. Yeah, it's like, hey, do. you gotta keep the train going. I'm like, okay, get in there, <laughs> get in there, little buddy. Uh, and uh, so Chris Evans beats the shit out of him. Uh, Ed Harris, he just can't stand it anymore. Loses his. Oh, never. Mind, sorry. And uh, and meanwhile, uh, and meanwhile, Minsu. Uh, Finally, because uh, oh yeah, I guess we forgot to mention indestructible guy wakes up and then goes back to fight with Minsu, <laughs> whom I believe finally does kill him. Like I think he breaks his neck. neck. Yeah. yeah, which you know probably keep him down for twenty minutes or so, uh, long enough for Minsu to get his uh, explosives together and stick it to the wall and light it, and then he's gonna run into the front of the train room and shut the door. Except guess what? That the thing is fucking broke now. It won't shut. And uh, Chris Evans pulls out Octavia Spencer's kid from the the engine area he's working in or whatever, loses his hand in the process, which is kind of a callback to an earlier scene where he mm-hmm. talks about how he wanted to donate an arm or something, but he was, I guess, too big of a pussy to cut his arm off. Uh, Aaron would have cut his arm off. What a bitch. Of course, man. <laughs> Instead of eating a kid? Jeez. Yeah, why not? Take my arm. Yeah. Lend me your ears. As long as this is the left one. <laughs> the, of course. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a righty, so we got to be real. Oh, sure. We're all righties, aren't we? I don't know. Mm-hmm. When it comes to mm-hmm. that. Uh, <laughs> sure. The uh, That's totally on topic, speaking of Snowpiercers. Uh, uh, I think we're all going to rename our dicks Snowpiercers after this. No, the, the Benevolent Bellend, sir. <laughs> you don't want to call it the Benevolent Wilfred? I mean, I would just call it that. Uh, no, because then every time I, I do, I would think of Wilford Brimley, and then my penis is just going to talk to me about diabetes. Have a mustache? Have a mustache? Oh, it, it might have a bit of a beard. Oh, God, diabetes. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, it's okay, like Dumbledore so in my pants. They, uh, they, pull, they, they, they pull Octavia Spencer's kid out, and uh, they all kind of hug together. Ed Harris is just sitting at the table now, sitting at his table with his, with his man steak. steak. Yeah. And he's just like, way to fucking go, because he knows what they did. And the bomb explodes. A huge fucking train derailment of epic, massive proportions. How the fuck do they smoke this shit without dying instantly? Like, they're doing these whole bricks. He put together, like, a handful of them and destroyed the entire train. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think what it, what it was is, like, he blew, like, a giant hole in the side of the train. 
and then the explosion caused like because uh, they're right by like a mountain. Yeah, it causes it's, an like, avalanche. avalanche, which derails the train. Yeah, uh, why would they wait till they were near fucking Kansas, where there, there ain't shit? You know what I mean? Well, the planes are some shit, right? He yeah. probably doesn't know where they're at, and then a he doesn't care. He just wants to get out. Yes. Uh, and that I, I'd have been more patient. You had the engine. Just wait. So I just I so I just presumed the ending was great right there. I'm like, holy shit, everyone is dead. They killed everyone. Nobody survived the survives this. But I'm my guess was what he saw was like, you know, an animal or some other person outside or whatever, and it's like, oh well life is gonna continue on Earth just without the 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 fucking stupidness of, of humanity at, at this level. Uh but the ending is far, far worse than everyone dying. Because uh, it's it's just uh, Yona and it's Octavia Spencer's kid are the only two people who survive this crash, or at least that's well what that we know of. Yeah, yeah, they don't show anybody else, and they right. get out of the train and they're in the middle of fucking nowhere, like the Himalayas or some shit, wherever they are. No, it wouldn't be that. There's polar bears. Oh, yeah, okay, so uh, but wherever they are, <laughs> but polar polar bears run this shit everywhere. I think it was the Himalayas because he was saying that one chick he was talking to was a Sherpa. Yeah, I mean, wherever they are. She it... was an Inuit, which are in Alaska. Was it? I thought he said Sherpa. No. He did, he did say an Inuit. He uh, said Inuit, and then, you know, Inuit, Eskimo. you know, the Eskimo. Yeah. Why did I write Sherpa? The uh, the crazy, the I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. They do see a polar bear, which says, hey, life is still existing out here. Yeah, needless to say, polar bears are one of the most dangerous animals yes. to humans ever. Yes. They're the largest cons- consumer of fucking meat, like on the planet, or, like on land, are fucking polar bears. I mean, and that's uh, what these two poor kids see. It's just like they show a polar bear, and it's like, oh shit, dude, they're gonna fucking die. Mind boggling. That's what I took from it. Was the end of that movie. Mind boggling to me is the uh, the it, like it's just these. As far as we know, it is just this woman. And this small child left to fend for themselves. Not even a woman. She's 17. Yeah, she's 17. Uh, This girl and this little boy. And they're left to fend for themselves in this world where no one else is living. Right. There's no food. With the exception of, you know, maybe if this 17-year-old girl and this 5-year-old kid can kill a fucking polar bear. Yep. She's clairvoyant. Like, the presuming nobody else has survived, that's the end of humanity, and these two poor little kids are stuck in the middle of the wilderness with polar bears and shit. Yep. Probably left to a horrible, horrible, horrible death. Yep. The end. <laughs> Roll credits. Welcome to Korean filmmaking. <laughs> um, uh, if you've ever seen Old Boy, uh, he gets what he wants, but man, there is one hell of a price to pay. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, what did you think of Snowpiercer? It was okay. Yeah, I know. I know you thought it was okay. I was so. Broke. I mean, it's like, nothing I'd watch again. Like it got over, and you're like, okay, I saw that. But it's not like you know. Every time you see it, and you're like, oh, I gotta watch the shit out of this because it was ah, a bit of a downer. Oh, a bit. <laughs> I felt like I. I thought the happy ending was everyone died. I'm like, at least I didn't think that died. was happy at all. I was like, these kids are fucking dead. Well, I mean, I thought it was happy, at least in the sense of at least they're gone. It was probably quick and humanity can like life on Earth can continue without the bane of humanity. But then when they survived, I'm like, no, this is far worse. Like there's nothing left for them. Like humanity is not going to like continue at all with two people. Yep. These people are really fucked. Like it's worse than they, they would have been better off just staying on the goddamn train, probably. Uh, Most likely. It was not a happy ending. Um, did you have stuff that you really enjoyed that was there like a favorite scene or moment or anything in the movie for you? Uh, like I said, I took notes throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I had a favorite moment, but there were probably about 30 moments where I had to grab my phone and take a note uh, because this movie, there was just some really confusing shit. Like I said, the uh, the big show uh, looking giant, swinging that kettlebell around for a while, and then Bruno Mars Ninja going ape shit on him, I thought was pretty sweet. Right. Um, but yeah, I think my favorite scene uh, was when Captain America got taken out by that fish, and then when who, the stunt guy, who I'm assuming is Ray Park, based upon teeth alone, when he smiled at him <laughs> uh, through, through, through the bloody teeth uh, when they celebrated Happy New Year. Those yes. are my two favorite parts. Um, Glenn, what did you think of Snowpiercer? Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's uh, I forgot that it was a Korean film, and so whenever I first saw the director, I was like, oh shit, that's right. It's like, well, this is not going to have an ending that we are going to be used to as American viewers. Right. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, 
And it's the same thing. I, I mean, I mentioned it on Facebook last night. Like, it's the same thing with, like, the Studio Ghibli, which is the Disney Japanese, basically. Mm-hmm. And even, you can say they're kid movies, but it's not like, their stories are structured differently. It's not the protagonist is going to get it, and maybe there is a happily ever after. It's the protagonist will most likely get what he wants, but there is a huge price into what you want. There's always those underlying motifs in just Asian films for whatever reason. It's just it's just a cultural thing. So to me, it was just I enjoyed it because I've seen a lot of these kinds of movies, and it just reminded me it was it was Bioshock on a train. Like that is it did kind of have that feeling a bit. It hit me it hit me whenever they had the. Uh, they were showing the the videos and they were trying to show things in the classroom and I was like, "This is Bioshock the Train." Yeah, it did kind and, of feel like that in a lot of ways, yeah, right? It, it was it was a, a better version of Atlas Shrugged. Oh, way way better version <laughs> for sure. Um, no, I I really liked the movie. I think I probably liked it more than either of you guys did. Then, although it sounds like you both enjoyed the movie, and by far probably the the it is the best one we've had to watch. Yes. Yeah, I think like from beginning to end or whatever. Um, I, I really only because I actually watched the entire movie. <laughs> okay, no, uh, Life Two Point I watched also. That one was good. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I I really I really liked this. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as I was go. expecting. You didn't like to. It as much as Go. Oh, who? Well, what what could live up to Bingo Bango? I don't tango know. Tango. Nothing. I don't think. Um, yeah, I. No, like, because I, I heard a lot of hype about this movie because this is one of the when a lot of people are like, hey, name name movies that aren't getting enough credit for being great from you know last year. And Snowpiercer was on lots of lists from people, um, you know, people who thought got you know like the you know it was, it, it was like right there with like Edge of Tomorrow for like not getting enough props for being uh, a good movie. And I heard so many people talking about how fucking great Snowpiercer was that I think my bar was probably a little too high for the movie when I saw it. I really liked the movie, but it didn't quite live up to like the bar that uh, a lot of people had set it at. But, um, you know, like the metaphor obviously is pretty fucking simple to grasp. Um, it's just a compressed version of, uh, you know, the same cycle that people constantly go through on this fucking planet all the time. Uh, so that that wasn't particularly hard to grasp. It was pretty in your face. Um, I, I thought Chris Evans was actually pretty good in this. He was. Uh, the lesson I'm taking from this movie is uh, try not to be poor. Because yes. if shit ever gets real, it's going to be really yeah, terrible. You're going to be eating fucking black jello bricks is what you're going to be eating. Made out of before. bugs. Yeah, they were roaches, right? It was kind of hard to tell yeah. what was going on in that And thing. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, if it's protein, I don't know why I wouldn't. Well, where are they getting all the cockroaches were. from? Right. Uh, just in that incinerator they from them. that weird guy's brain, probably. <laughs> they, um, the, uh, uh, yeah, I like the, uh, to me, the, uh, uh, the, uh, it was like a roller coaster ride at the end with Ed, the Ed Harris thing. Uh, cause it was really, it was like such a really long played out scene. He was uh, trying to bang Chris Evans, right? It was, <laughs> Were you getting that vibe as well? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it was smothered in sexual tension between those two. He seemed he seemed very enamored. God, uh, didn't he though? He, uh, but no, like it went up and down for me as like, oh, this is a really good scene. To like, this is a really weird scene. To sometimes it was like, this isn't very good at all. And then sometimes it was like, oh, this is really great. <laughs> like it was a weird roller coaster um, that I really didn't experience throughout the rest of the movie. Like the rest of the movie felt fine up until he got to 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 meet Ed Harris at the end, and then it. It felt really uneven to me. Then but, Harris tried to fuck him for a half an hour. Yeah, that maybe that's what it was. It was just it was very. It went on too attention. long, and they shoved way too much stuff into it. Like uh, they were trying to answer questions that I felt like the movie didn't need to answer because I feel like if you just have common sense, there's things you can just piece together just by watching it. Like you don't. Yeah. And it was just he had to ha- like he just had to go on this long soliloquy about things, and it's just no. Why don't you just say you and Gillian work together? Um, everything you know in this world is fake, and we have to have these things for X, Y, and Z. Like that's all he had to do. But he had just had to keep going on about his fucking train engine. You know, all he had to do was be. All he had to do because look, this all this shit all went down in 2014, right? When yep. shit went wrong. Yeah. All he had to do was be like, "Hey, Curtis, do you remember these movies called The Matrix?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's that, but it's this is not. You're not in the Matrix. But it's a 
basically we modeled all of this after the matrix. Like we, everything is controlled, but you think you're in charge of what you're doing, but you're not really, we've kind of planned this from the beginning. It's a, it's all part of this thing to keep everything in perfect balance. I, uh, I, I have a couple of questions now, like going back to the end of this movie and how like, you know, the, the the Korean guy figured out uh, everybody could survive because you know, it was starting to get warmer and snow and ice was starting to melt. Mm -hmm. Uh, if he was that great of a fighter where he could take on not only the indestructible British guy, uh, but like a thousand raver kids. Why wasn't well, this threw dude fighting? One in that engine? Why wasn't he fighting like a half an hour before when you know Wait, he, he was just hanging back? Yeah, when the axe when the axe wielder murdering squad was just going yard, he could have taken out like everybody because he was doing some work in the final couple minutes of that movie. Second, Probably. I mean, uh, he was uh, if, well, if it was warm enough for for these kids at the end of the movie to just walk out onto the train, uh, why in only seven minutes did that guy's arm freeze solidly enough that they could break it off with a hammer and a little pieces? Because and was the uh, two, issue. why weren't those people? Uh, why weren't they melted up a bit? If it melted enough, the snow and ice for a plane to be revealed, why weren't those people more revealed? Good, good questions. This is like the end of the Dark Knight Rises for me. <laughs> like how did Batman? How did Bruce Wayne get back to Gotham? And how did he get back inside the fucking city? Eventually, you just have to just go. It's like okay, just it, it was the benevolent Wilford uh, willed it, so that's how, the way shit how goes come down. nobody? How come nobody discovered his fucking bat jet hanging out on top of a building? Well, it's an altitude issue. They measured it by the altitude they were at. Oh, it's possible they could have been at a higher altitude too, where it was still. Yeah, I mean the train right, goes because there's the world, higher but... mountains in the range they were already in. Well, you don't know where they were at whenever they crossed the ravine. Well, they do show a map at some point where. Uh, like in the kids' video where they show like the track and yeah. how it goes along, and it how shows they like build this the track when are. the whole world was dying. That is geez. my biggest thing: is how the fuck was this track built? Well, he that built it, he the built it before he built it before the world went to fuck. But everybody laughed at him, and then when the world went to fuck, they're, they're like, "Hey, you idiot! That we said you're not an idiot no more. Can we ride on your train?" Uh, I guess that's what I guess well, that's what happened. I get the need for being like on a, you know for the water and all that, but after a while, why not just park it? Like how the shit does he not like? I what I wanted to know is how he constant motion, or maybe it could be frozen. Like it could just the whole hole would be frozen from the outside. Did they have to oh. build? Now what I want to know. But is I don't know they... why it needs to be the whole world. I don't know why it couldn't be a continent. Right. What I wanted to know is that did they build a, a train tunnel system like underground, or how how do they get across the fucking ocean? How do they build a train track across the oceans? That's Maybe they stacked them on all the dead bodies uh, from the disease. Oh, that took possibly. Away. possibly. Um, so uh, the Allflix and 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 Netflix both told me that uh, if I were to watch this movie, I would give it a four. What would you guys give it? I was told I'd give it a five. I gave it a three. There you go, uh, Glenn. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd give it about a four. It was, I mean. The weird shit that was in there, I mean, that's just that's just that style. I wouldn't uh I mean it's just like what I don't know. It was that's just its style. There's just I don't certain... know. I mean, you know, uh I, I really love I saw the devil and that movie w was pretty Korean. Uh yeah. at, at its bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it didn't feel as weird as this one did. There there was a lot of wacky shit in this one. I mean, this guy made the movie called The Host, and that is uh that is a trip. <laughs> So. Yeah, this uh oh by the way, I should note when Allflix mentions it, Allflix is just showing what the average Netflix rating is, which was close to a four, I think. Uh I'm right there with you, Aaron. It said it would I would give it a five, which I did not. I gave it a I gave it a four. I got um, it a three. It, it was a, it was okay. I mean I would I think I would have I think I probably would have leaned more towards like a three and a half if they Netflix gave you that option. Uh right. but I don't think they do, so uh, and I and I didn't want to say three because I thought it was maybe you know maybe better than that. I, I think it, it's probably in between a three and a four for me. But I, think uh, that's fair. I would definitely recommend this to other people uh, if you are are into such fare uh, because it was it was a fun movie. I don't know if I'm you're I, I'm kind of like you. I don't know if I'm going to go back and see it again. I don't I'll know never if I'm going to see it again. You don't think so? I don't I, need to. Um, it's not one of those movies I need to rewatch. I like think the replay value. Correct. Right? Yeah, I grasped everything that I felt like the movie wanted to tell me, and everything I needed to understand in one viewing. Like I, I don't, don't there, think I need to go back. To there, yeah, I, there there wasn't anything emotionally compelling enough to where I'm like, I want to relive that again. And there weren't any specific scenes that were like, that was so cool. I can't wait to rewatch that shit. Um, it was a, it was a good movie that was made very well and. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, I, I, you know, like if I am super bored one day and I'm flipping through channels and it's on 
HBO or some shit like that. You know, I'm sure I'll sit yeah, and watch it for a while. Yeah, into the meat cutting scene. I'll I'll probably just watch that again, just to be like, what the fuck? Because I was, I said, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening with this fish? And then it's just <laughs> it was it was that was the weirdest fucking thing. I mean, yeah. but I mean, I I get I, I get what they were doing, but it was just <laughs> just yeah, really visceral. Weird. I guess yeah. is what I should say. Yeah, they're just like. Hey, I mean, if I if I was Chris Evans, that would also have been a complete mind fuck to me as well. So <laughs> you could definitely see it on their faces, like what the fuck. Yeah. Uh, an enjoyable, uh, an enjoyable time, uh, I think, though all around, which uh, is what we've sort of been waiting for. Actually, it's been a while since we had a uh, since we had a. Actually, have we ever had a? Mo- I, I guess maybe Life Two Point We both decide we all decided was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it was. That was interesting. Sure. Um, I, I should note, uh, just for fun, uh, I've been playing with a Netflix randomizer while we've been talking. And uh, the you're lucky, Aaron, that we weren't picking the next movie on this podcast. Oh. Because the first thing I hit, uh, the first thing that came up was Once Upon a Time. I'm not watching that. <laughs> so, you'd have to watch the, the, uh, the pilot episode. Uh, of, of... I'm not watching that or Gilmore Girls. I'm just putting that out there. Is Gilmore Girls on there now, or has it been? Oh, we we hit the randomizer and got it once. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we were just—I was just messing around. I was like, okay, well, okay, I'll just click it, and I just want to see like if it just popped up or what, and it did. It just popped up. I was like, oh, I'm glad that was just a test run. I just hit it again, Aaron, and got Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the new. Oh, look at that! Where was that one? I don't know. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, all right, so no flaws in those movies at all, man. Nope. <laughs> well, there, well, there were there are definitely flaws in this movie for sure. But it was it was it was a good watch. I think we would highly recommend it uh, to people if they want to check it out. Unlike well, say White, you Rock. guys can highly recommend it. I'll say you know you can watch it. Sure. Well, I would I would highly recommend it. I think people if you eh, it was okay. I don't. I, I'm just saying. I think people who like this show, like the art, the shit we do, they would probably enjoy this movie. I mean, they might not fall in love with it. Maybe. Oh yeah, the, the the silly shit is definitely worth checking out. Like that shootout between, uh, you know, Darth British guy and Captain America is just the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous as hell. Oh it my is god, ridiculous. it's so. But there was other things that were just kind of cool. Like I like the translator. Like just simple tech stuff. It wasn't. Yeah. That thing was too outlandish. It wasn't trying to be stylized. Wait, how how like whisper quiet was that fucking translation? Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've got surround, I've got surround sound, and that shit was hard to hear. Yeah, that was everything crazy. else. They, they, had use, they had to use they captions sometimes because it was so quiet. They did. Yeah, and how inconsistent were those captions? <laughs> it's like they put it in whenever they remembered. They're like, oh yeah, shit, that's right. We we should have been doing this for like an hour already. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so uh, so for Glenn Beauvais and Aaron DeLosa, I'm Anthony Lewis. We'll be back next time from Parts Unknown. For more content like Who Made Who, Level Your Gear, the Gotham Podcast, Flashing Arrow Podcast, and the new Horribly Flawed and Incredibly Decisive Podcast, visit cinemageekly.com slash premium and part with just $12. That's 12 bucks for a year's worth of awesome content, What else could you buy for $12 that will last all year and give you hours of geeky entertainment?